Hi guys, and welcome to the latest edition of the Fight Side Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash, as always. And yeah, today we're talking about one thing, and that is the incredible fight between Michael Conlon and Lee Wood. Um, you know, I'm going to open with a small apology. Um, I said last week that I was going to do a preview, the text previews that I'll do on the Fight Site main page. Um, I didn't because uh, I didn't feel very well, and I didn't... I didn't have time to get it together, and I was very glad that I didn't, ultimately, because my preview would have been, it's going to be a boring fight. It's going to be, not necessarily boring, but I mean, it's going to be Mikey, Michael Conlon sort of point-picking and would sort of try to close him down. I, you know, I wasn't going to call it like a, you know, the worst fight ever, but uh, I wasn't predicting a really good fight. And instead, what we got was the early front-runner for fight of the year, one of the knockouts of the year, one of the best combats you've ever seen, while at the same time being... The second best comeback so far this month, because Jordan Gill a few weeks ago. If you haven't seen that, watch that too. But um, but yeah. But basically, if you haven't seen the fight, you should probably watch the fight before you listen to this podcast. Um. But yeah, and there, the thing about this is there are so many things you can talk about here. Like there's you know there's the technical aspects back and forth, tied into the technical aspects of the um. There's a bit of a story with the trainers, with the coaches, um, not them being, you know, personal rivals. Like they're, they're, you know, they're rivals because they're rival coaches, but, but you know, there's this whole criticism of Ben Davidson and, uh, you know, what he did right for this fight. What he did wrong with this fight is the main thing that's been talked about on, on the Twitter. But, what you know, what he's done right with Lee Wood and what he did right with this fight. Um, but then you can, you know, you can compare and contrast. Like, because of all the focus on Davidson, um, the guy in the opponent's corner got a bit forgotten. And, uh, you know, Adam Booth is a sort of, I wouldn't call him, I mean, in some ways it's a forerunner to Davison in that he was sort of the original outspoken, shaking things up guy, did a lot of interviews, not to talk himself up a bit, uh, type of brash guy um, in the British coaching scene. Um, you know, they're not completely uh, the same. I'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm not going to open with, with that subject. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just the whole drama of the fight. There's just so much to talk about. Um, I'm going to start, you know, the, the introductions. Um, if anyone isn't familiar, um, Michael Conlon, you're probably more likely to be familiar with, even though he wasn't the champion. Um, you know, you will at least almost certainly have seen a photo of him from the Rio Olympics, where he got robbed in the quarterfinals against uh, Nikitin. And, you know, the famous photo of him flipping off the judges as the result was a... Uh, was read so you know him from that then since then he's turned pro um he turned pro in 2017 uh this fight happened this fight occurred in uh you know 2022 so there's been a it's been a long road to the title i think uh it's an unusually long road to a world title for someone with that kind of amateur pedigree but i think he probably needed it i mean this fight showed that he he needed it uh some of the reasons why he needed it he would um you know, he used to be a sort of British level, around the boxing around the British level. You know, win some, lose some. And when he, since he moved to Davidson, Ben Davidson, he you know he has made an improvement. That's uh, that's one of the reasons that this whole Ben Davidson narratives uh, narratives been going back and forth is that uh, Lee Wood has unquestionably stepped up a level. You know, no one expected him to beat Sukan last year, and he beat him quite comprehensively. Um, you know, and so he's held this, he held this um, featherweight title, the WBA featherweight title. Since, you know, this is his first defense. Uh, so he's held it since then. Yeah, this is his first defense of it. 
And yeah, it was one of those fights where coming into it, they were quite evenly matched. There, Conlon was slightly the favourite because you know people still, you know, can who can. Um, he was a sort of proven world level fighter, but he wasn't super. You know, he wasn't super famous or super. He hadn't fought any elite elite, so it wasn't fully clear where he was and uh, whether, you know, how much Wood had improved, improved, and how much was just a style. Stylistic matchup to him. So it was, you know, Conlon was a slight favourite in the, at the bookies. Um, and, you know, that, that, the bookies aren't the only, the be all and end all. Um, I, I don't gamble, so I don't really pay attention to them. But um, in the sense of, you know, where am I going to put my money? But they're a good way to. Um, they're very broadly, they're a good way to see how proven and how respected the two fighters are. If you're just, you know, looking for a quick guide, the bookies odds are relatively. You know, a relatively good way to do it, especially if the two fighters are from the same scene, sort of. I mean, Conan's Irish, but um, in terms of the fighting each other, they have the sort of same, you know, Britain and America sort of intermingled anyway. Conan fights in America, but he's Irish, so he also um, is entangled. The Irish and the British scenes are sort of, you know, they're, they're fight each other fairly commonly. So that's what I'm saying is that um, their backgrounds are fairly similar. It's not like um, sometimes when a guy comes over from the Philippines or from Mexico and you have absolutely no context. Um, and the bookies have little context either and then you can't always rely on those odds. Um, that wasn't the case here, is what I'm saying here. Anyway, so that's the background. Let's talk about the fight. Um, yeah, it opened, uh, the, the, the fight opened about as I was so I expected to. The first round, the first two and a half minutes of the first round went roughly how I thought they were going to, which was uh, Conman sticking and moving, Wood trying to close him down behind his jab. Wood was getting sort of the better of the exchanges in the first round for the most part, um, you know, landing his jab, getting a few more solid shots in, and Conman was sort of uh, Picking, moving, but he was throwing this left hand, and he was aiming the left hand a lot of the body, um, which wasn't always landing because Wood was covering it. And right straight away, you have to give credit to Conlon for seeing this because um, it's in the first round, so it was you know they, they may have seen it really something in the preview in the watching the tape, but uh, in the first round straight away he decided, okay, Wood is reacting very hard to my left hand to the body. He's bringing his right hand down. I'm going to clip him over the top. I'm going to faint, uh, not even faint one, throw one to the body and then throw one to the head. And yeah, well, he did. Um, if you watch the sequence that did it, just before he does exactly the same thing, he throws a left hand to the body, sort of steps out, resets, and then uh, throws a left to the head, which catches Wood fairly solidly. So Wood had the warning, really. And you know, he did it again right towards the end of the round, right in the last, in the dying seconds of the round, and he dropped him right on his back. He was really hurt. Um, one thing to note here straight away is that uh, one thing Conlon is very good at, which is fairly typical of Adam Booth fighters, is the thing he focuses on, is, is he does disguise his entries. So um, I'm going to talk about you know how later in the fight it became a factor that Wood was sort of, that uh, Conlon was sort of going for this loopy overhand um, left or this left hook which isn't a very clean punch uh, he was going for it a lot and that kind of limited his game plan but uh, it wasn't say it was ever predictable and even in the first round he saw it because he's good at 
First hiding the timing. He's very twitchy on the front foot, very twitchy with his front lead shoulder. Um, he comes in with a low lead hand, which, you know, there are the downsides to that, but obviously. But um, but it does make it easier to disguise your shots, especially if you're fainting into the body and going upstairs. Um, and he used that very well. He used that very well throughout, throughout um, and he did, that's what got him the knockdown. Uh, Wood was hurt. hurt. Um, he could, you know, he could have if the, if it happened thirty seconds earlier, and he had had to stand up and withstand another assault. That fight could have ended then and there, but he had the minute to recover. Um, and you know, he recovered just enough. He came out in the second round, um, and his his faculties his faculties weren't clearly weren't fully there. Um, he wasn't responding all right. He was doing what he had to do, a bit of sluggish, and uh, and Conlon was landing the left hand at will. And uh, I mean, let's take this um, to some extent. Let's take this chronologically, since it makes sense. Because this is where I want to talk a little about about the Ben Davidson thing, um, and how prepared he was. And you know, you know, people want to talk about whether it's Ben Davidson's fault or not. And this shouldn't be the main focus of the fight, but it's it's clearly a thing. So so I have to kind of cover it, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, instantly I have to sort of worry that uh, the game plan seemed, the initial game plan seemed a bit too geared, too similar to the one that he brought to the table against Can. Um, he was sort of fighting at the same pace and not fully ready to be fighting an opponent who is trying to put distance between them. Because the thing about Can, if you've never seen that fight or never seen him fight, he's an incredibly aggressive, incredibly high volume pressure fighter. Um which obviously Michael Conlon is not. And the what you know, I do have some look I, I don't know if I'm right. Like uh, I find it unlikely that Davidson or the people in this camp really you know, they didn't go in preparing they didn't go in thinking that Conlon is going to fight like Candid. That just didn't happen. But um but there is some extent to which would have the same Um, he was sort of doing the same things, and he ended up partly part of the, part of the problem. In the first few rounds was because uh, because Conlon wasn't right there coming at him. He was sort of overreaching a little bit. He was um, his defensive stances were compromised uh, slightly because he because Conlon was further away than he wanted Conlon to be. I think, and that is an issue. That you know, if that's if I'm seeing that right, well, you know, if that's uh, if that's what was happening, and uh, you know, regardless of how it came about, that's something they're going to have to work on. You know, whether it's just fundamental issues in wood, because uh, it is hard to teach. Uh, you know, to change over much past a certain point. Anyway, um, but uh, uh, one thing I do want to give David credit for is his corner advice was well, good. But like, people were saying his corner advice was bad um, because. Because it kept changing, because he's saying different things, and it's like I, that, that's a good thing. And one example, you know, it's not all, it wouldn't always be a good thing if your corner advice is muddled and whatever, but that's not what's happening. Like, and the, the example I'm going to give, I've already, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen it already. Um, at the end of the second round, um, Wood had been getting caught by Collins' left hand just repeatedly, and Wood's, um, Davidson's first advice to Wood was a, uh, 
use your feet, keep out of range, manage, basically it was manage the range, like I can't remember the exact wording, but it was basically about scooching out as the left hand came to avoid it, to make a miss, and then you can sort of build from that. And it didn't work, but he didn't have the pace in his feet, he didn't have the head movement for that, and he was, he was just making it worse, basically he got clipped even harder, um, you know, not harder than the one that dropped him, but um, but it made him even more vulnerable because the, the hand was coming down anyway and he was still in range, but now he was off balance because he was moving backwards while he did it. So uh, so at the end of the third round, um, which is where this was happening, like at the end of the third round between the corners, Ben Davidson said to Wood, okay, stick your right hand to your head when you're coming in stick your right hand to your face and just take it that way just don't worry about the body shots because at the moment the biggest danger is to your head protect your head and that advice got him through i think because it wasn't just that um just that he protected his head because that, you know that didn't it never happened that he kept his glove up all the time and you can't do that when you're a boxer you know when you're attacking as a boxer you have to use your right hand to throw it. it's always going to come away from you eventually you know there are things would would could have should have would have done better, but um, but it's not just the fact that the hand was protecting him, which it was more often. But uh, when you're doing that, when you're sort of gluing your hand to your face and uh, coming in with that attitude, your stance is better to be taking shots than when you're backing off with your head up in the air, with your chin up in the air. Um, so I think that advice was good because it just let him take the shots better and that sort of held for the next so that was round three and then sort of th round four or five and a little bit of six and um, would have still coming back to himself and so that was just Conlon doing the thing which I was saying um, he was committing very much to this left-handed attack this um this hook over the top but like I say um very typical about Adam Booth fighters and so let's talk about Adam Booth a bit um he likes uh he likes his very twitchy, low, low, he says he doesn't train the low lead hand, but it's very clear when you watch his fighters that he's coached that the fundamentals that he teaches encourage a low lead hand. Um, this is why I uh, I find Adam Booth interesting. Um, I'm kind of rambling a little here. Uh, I find Adam Booth a little interesting, um, interesting because uh, he teaches boxing fundamentals, don't, you know, don't get me wrong, he's not completely going, going off the reservation and just making shit up. But his idea of a box of fundamental is different to what a lot of other coaches teach. And his main focus on all of his fighters that you see, which is um, David Hay was one of his. Um, who else was one of his? I think Andy, Andy Lee was one of his for a while. Um, and he won the, I think Andy Lee was until when he won the world title. George Grace was one of his until just before the, calf, the first calf rock fight. So he wasn't trained by a frock in, uh, by Booth when he lost to Frog the first time, but he, it was his game. It was a, it was a booth training camp. Basically, basically they, uh, they had a falling out like the week before the fight, I think it was. Um, so a lot of what George Groves did was Adam Booth style stuff. Um, Ron Burnett, a bit later on, um, you know, this is very twitchy, high energy stuff where the main defense is, you know, they do, he does teach guard, you know, keep your guard up and all of that. But his main defense is, being unpredictable, basically. The main effect, uh, main defence and the main offence is to be unpredictable, to be constantly moving. Not necessarily, you know, it's not Lomachenko style, it's sort of this twitchy, janky, um, yeah, almost lacking uh, 
form. Like he's not that bothered about your fighters looking aesthetically pleasing in that in the sense of a uh, you know super clean punching style. And not Condon is very much uh, of that school. He doesn't care about looking. I'm not even talking about the volume or the Condon. You know, for preference, often, often talent has been a sort of a point picker, as I've said. This one, not very much, but he likes his jigging about, his um, his evasiveness. He likes his uh, very twitchy lead foot and his lead hand. Everything I've just said about Booth, something Colin likes to do, and they've been together for a while. And it clearly, it's clearly something that uh, they fit together style-wise. And so that was um, what Wood was focusing on. We're setting up this lead, uh, this left hand. But, um, but using different parts to set it up, and it was you know it was working for him. He's winning the fight pretty comfortably at that stage. Um, I'm not going to comment too much on the scoring because uh, I kind of lost track. I had eight two, six two after eight, and then I was like, whatever. Um, there was some controversy in the idea that um, if Wood hadn't knocked him out in the final round, hadn't knocked him down and out, um, it would have been a draw and. Uh, I think that would have been generous to Wood. I'm not sure if it was unarrivable at because I don't have the sort of later middle rounds in my head and uh, in exactly how how I would have scored them. So, so, so I can't comment on that exactly. But I think it would have been probably quite generous. Maybe not a robbery, but it turned out to be moot because after about six rounds, Wood sort of recovered, and then he started to make his way back into the fight. Um, and there are things in the middle. There are things here now um, in the middle of the fight again. You can be a little bit. <clears throat> There's mixed feelings again with what Wood was with what both of them are doing really because um, Wood um, showed an oddly disappointing. Uh, his framing wasn't that great. Um, this was pointed out. Um, Taylor, I think, was retweeting on Twitter. Um, you know, my colleague Taylor. Um, but yeah, Wood was not getting his head into the right positions to really dominate the inside fight. But he was, and if you've been on following them on Twitter today, um, Wood's coaches, uh, Lee Wiley, who I, uh, as you know, like and respect, and Ben Davidson have been talking about it, he was working the body um, quite very heavily in those exchanges. Even though he didn't have the control, he was kind of, kind of coming around the outside and didn't look clean, but... Um, but he was landing his amount, fair amount of body shots, and that was clearly part of the game plan, was to draw, both to draw Conlon's own hands down and to drain the gas tank. Um, he was mostly losing those exchanges because Conlon had sort of the inside line and he could land the little clean punches on the inside. Conlon uh, has a problem in that. This is a weird thing. This is where it's kind of messy and it's weird because Conlon was taking the correct stances, uh, the correct positions, but I find that this is maybe just my personal issue with him, but um, his stance is quite wide and his punch is quite loopy, even when he has the inside sort of the, whatever, the underhooks, um, how you want to frame it, call it in a boxing thing, where he has the inside, where he's controlling the inside, his punches are still kind of loopy and slappy. So he's scoring at points, but not doing as much damage. Uh, you know, the damage Conlon was doing was at range when he was able to land those big flush um, shots while Wood was moving. He wasn't doing an awful lot of damage on the inside, even when he was winning the exchanges. And that may, you know, maybe a combination of that and tiredness may have to do with uh, what sort of started happening later on. Like there were two there were two mistakes that I think Condon made tactically. 
and it's sort of hard to say whether they were choices or whether he was just getting tired and forced into them. And the first one is when he kept going to the ropes. They're kind of related to each other, but um, the first one was when he kept going to the ropes, getting himself get pushed to the ropes, and then sort of jigging on the ropes and dancing on the ropes. And, uh, you know, it will become relevant at the end of the fight. Um, but I don't like Conlon on the ropes, and uh, I, feel, I felt kind of silly not saying this, because I've been saying this for years, and my Twitter I pulled up a quote for myself from 2019 uh, from on, uh, on the Bad Left Foot comment section, which I managed to dig out, um, where I commented on exactly this, that um, basically what happens is the first two or three defensive movements are fine but his he- with his head, but his head, his feet don't follow. His feet don't adjust to what his head is doing and he gets himself off balance and starts ducking into things. And, uh, and So that comes up later. Um, that's how the fight finished. But even in the middle, sort of middle rounds, he was getting into the situation where he was He'd win the exchanges because he was winning the initial thing, but then Wood would do damage as he got himself more and more out of shape as the exchange went on. Um, and the other thing that he would do, and maybe this was a reaction to that, um, or maybe it was just uh, trying to convince... Maybe he had the robbery against Catterall from a few weeks ago um, in his head where Catterall was fighting on the back foot and ended up losing rounds even though he pretty clearly won them. And maybe Conlon had that in his head and was trying to just get the last word in all the time. Um, but basically, any time he got heavily tagged by Wood, he'd respond by throwing this big flurry, and then they'd start scrapping. And that's when the fight really starts to set on fire. And it was never back, you know, it wasn't Gatti Ward. It was never an attritional constant war. But the momentum kept shifting back and forth in the later, later rounds, and Wood was getting more and more into it. Um, and then he had, you know, every so often he had these spots of really intense action where they would just wail away at each other, um, you know, standing in the middle of the rim. And that was completely, that's what Wood needed, it's what Conlon didn't need at all. And I'm not really sure what, because it was him initiate. it was him allowing this to happen. But the first one was, was like, um, you know, I'm not sure, it may have been Wood's, it may have been the quality of Wood's pressing was better than the quality of Conlon's footwork. But in the exchanges in the middle of the ring, that was very much Conlon was uh, responding to being tagged by Florian. And that was always a danger. It's a danger for both, but maybe he thought that Wood was still hurt, and uh, and that's what he should be doing. Um, in any case, both of these two things, and just the general pattern of the fight, Wood never took over. This is a thing, it never turned into... This has been likened to Frock versus um, Jimmy Taylor, Carl Frock versus Jimmy Taylor, I mean, that it was a comeback fight, um, you know, definitely the fact that he would is from Nottingham and this fight took place in Nottingham uh, factors into the comparison, but it's been compared to that fight because it's a comeback win, knockout in the last minute. Um, it's different to that fight because uh, Frock had taken over. By the time the knockout happened, Frock was sort of... He'd taken over the back half of the fight, and that's not what happened here, really. And that's why uh, that's why a draw would have been controversial. Is that would never he had more and more spots, and he was getting more and more into it. And as he recovered, he you know he showed there were things he does better than Conan. Um, his shape is better. His um, you know, even though he makes sort of basic defensive errors, like dropping his hand, you know, letting his hand go, um, and he's probably a bit slower than. Uh, Colin, both of foot and of hand speed. Um, he keeps his basic shape better. He sort of follows his footwork is sort of more precise, I would say. Like Conlon's just 
con constantly doing this confusion thing whereas wood is precise and looking for his target and all of that sense um, and yeah he started getting more and more into it and you know the 11th round happened and uh, even the 11th round I think Conlon was probably winning that round until the knockdown happened and there's some some controversy over the knockdown I mean, Booth's corner insisted it wasn't one. Um, they claimed it was a slip. Um, there was a connecting shot. It didn't, you know, it wouldn't necessarily have been hard enough to drop in. I think what a lot of people are missing here, what a lot of people are either missing or ignoring, is uh, that it wasn't that shot that did the damage. That was a shot that knocked him down. But the shot that did the damage was just before. Um, basically, it was the exchange before. What happened is... Um, would he throws it he doesn't mind whiffing a big shot to set up the next one and uh so people were looking at the left hand that he whiffed before he landed the shot that dropped him i was like oh yeah there's no you know there's no damage but just before that the same thing happened again and wood clearly rocked conan and i think the fact that conan did slip and get dropped and i think it was a fair fair knockdown that may have been his downfall ultimately <clears throat> because i think if he'd have stayed on his feet, it would have been more clear to his coaching team, and maybe to, even to himself, how hurt he was. And because there was this unfairness over from their side, they thought it was unfair that it slipped and uh, shouldn't have been a thing, and then the fight got paused and all of that. He had some time to recover, but not fully. I don't think Adam Booth and the corner team realised just how hurt Conlon was going into the final round. And I think their advice may have been different. I'm not too sure about their advice anyway. Um, this is why I'm saying that you know the, co the coaching narrative comes into it. I'm not too sure about their advice anyway, because they were like, you have to win this. You have to come out and go out and win this. And that that did very much sound like something coming with uh, with Jack Catterall in mind. And it also ended up being the wrong advice. Um, but I think they may have rescinded that advice. I think they may have uh, adjusted that advice if, they, if they'd realised how hurt he was. Um, which was very and so to count the final round you know Wood's doing the hunter seeker thing and he really goes for it this one um, there is a certain amount of uh, I think sometimes people see fighters go for it in the last round and think uh, you know why didn't they do this earlier and to some extent it is a it's a stamina thing um, you can't fight that intensity for the whole fight some extent it's a risk reward thing you know if your if your natural tendency isn't to be that fully aggressive then you will be leaving gaps and <clears throat> and that's when uh you know if would have been that aggressive from the start of the fight especially when conan was fresh you know he wasn't even as aggressive as that and like i say he was still overreaching and letting him leaving gaps so it would have been a mistake to fight that like that earlier but once he saw Conan was hurt, and uh, once he knew he had to win the last round really heavy to win the fight, to have a stat chance of winning the fight, then he really sort of really pushed it. And this is where Conan started to get into trouble, because Conan has a problem, which I sort of referred to before, um, this whole getting himself out of shape thing. And this is where I kind of worry a little bit. Not even worry, I'm... I don't know what the problem has been. Like, I, I'm, I know that Adam Booth must see it, because Adam Booth is a smart guy, a very good coach. He's had other fighters who don't have this problem. 
They must have been working on it. But every time, every time um, Colin gets cornered, um, starts to get pushed into extended exchanges and has to deal with more than one layer or two layers of combination, he does get himself out of shape, vulnerable. And it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to say even if it's, it is anyone's fault, because the thing is, Connor's 30, he's not a kid. And uh, it's the kind of thing that they may cover all they want in the gym. But once you get under pressure, and especially when you're tired, you will regress to old habits. Um, there's a very clear example of this in another part of Booth trained, and it just kind of makes you, you know, maybe, maybe he does have issues getting this across, I don't know. But um, Josh Kelly had... It's a different problem. Josh Kelly had different problems, but you can very clearly see Josh Kelly coming out early in his fights in the Adam Booth style. The janky, loose, twitchy, twitchy thing. And after two or three rounds, he always forget it and go back to his style of Lomachenko style circular movement, but then stopping it and sort of leaping in his opponent in a straight line. And, you know, some fighters are more coachable than others, but at the end of the day, it is very hard to coach out bad habits later on in a career. Completely coach them out so that they don't appear even under pressure. It's very hard. You know, it's the whole thing about um, teaching an old, old, old dog new tricks. You can teach an old dog new tricks. But when he gets tired, he'll find it harder to do that trick. You know? Um, uh, like, the later you leave it, the, 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 the later you leave it, the more the bad habits will come out when the fighter's under pressure, tired, dazed, confused. And, uh, and you know, Conlon had been displaying these issues throughout the fight, but I think um, possibly that was some of the issue of him being hurt in the final round, because earlier on he had been sort of tying up, and he had been careful of the framing, you know, not to allow Wood too many shots at his head on the inside. And the last round, it was very much just all over the all over the shop. Um, and just consistently, Wood was... He was sort of he ended up ducking into uh, this is exactly how the knockout happened. Um, he slipped the first couple and then he ducked as with the throwing right and just ducked right into it and it shut him off. Um, you know there was a little bit of an odd reaction about this one because the broadcast angle of the knockout was uh, from behind Conlon's from behind Wood's back, so you didn't see the hand connect. And a lot of people were like, "Oh, you know, he must have been hurt before." He must have, uh, there must have been something seriously wrong. And that, you know, that was exacerbated by the fact that uh, they didn't show the replay. Um, Wood was kind of telling his celebrations. And I mean, he was obviously hurt. And that was, that was a reason for all that. But you could see, you can see that eventually, thankfully, a reverse angle came out from someone ringside and you can see the clean connection. Um, but even from behind his back, you can see what Wood is doing from the side of his shoulder, and you can see that Connor's ducking into it, and it sort of became a smoother movement because Connor ducked straight into it and then slumped. So it did kind of look like he fell asleep um, as he was falling. And then, yeah, then Wood carried on the assault, and, um, yeah, the, the second most dramatic KO of the year, one of the most dramatic comebacks, just an incredible finish. I've kind of dried it. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, um, no, it was unbelievable. Um because Conlon just sort of tipped out the ring and landed on his head. Um, and that's another thing I'll talk about after the fight, the safety issues there. Um, but, uh, yeah, the ref, the ref had, in fact, actually waved it off before he fell out of the ring. You know, there's nothing Wood could have done because the referee waved his house behind his back. Um, you don't stop punching. I mean, if you... 
if you see your opponent's truly hurt, you know, you, know you, you would stop punching. But uh, but you don't let your opponent a chance to recover. So that, you know, no, no one's blaming Wood for any of that. Um, but but Conlon was out out. Um, he was slumped on the ropes, and then Wood caught him a couple more times and knocked him out of the ring. And yeah, it was pandemonium. Bedlam. Apparently, there was a fight in the crowd. Some people tried to get to Conlon. Um, whether they were Conlon supporters trying to help or dickheads, who the fuck knows? Don't do that, guys. If you're ever at a fight, just you know, stay away from. Don't 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 fight. Don't fight in the crowd. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. And Woodward very dignified. He you know he had initial wild celebration, but when he realised how hurt Conlon was, um, he was very much sort of chill, chill. You know, and that that was uh, sort of could tell the celebrations a bit temporarily because no one was sure how Conlon was feeling. Um, but yeah, Wood uh, was it Rudolph was a rightful winner. Um, so sort of in, uh, the addendum, you know, when Conlon was better, he came. You know, he was in hospital. He tweeted from hospital that he wants a rematch. Um, I don't think that's going to happen because. Because Wood was a champion, and Wood won clean. You know, you can argue that Conlon had been winning the fight. Uh, Wood didn't prove his dominance, but there was no incentive for him to. You know, there's no reason for him to, and there's no incentive for him to because there are bigger fights. Like um, Kike Martinez is fighting, is fighting Josh Warrington. Uh, Martinez with the belt that he won in that shock knockout of uh, of uh, Galahad. And it's a bit as absurd that Josh Warrington is fighting the title before Mauricio Lara, who fought last week or a couple of weeks ago. Um, but he is. And, you know, if, if Martinez somehow wins that fight, Martinez is very short. Even in the Galahad fight, he was getting comprehensively beaten. Um, if Martinez does somehow win that fight, um, Wood will see it as an easy, relatively easy second but pick up. If Warrington wins that fight, that's a huge stadium fight. That's a you know, Warrington draws 15,000 people every time from, from the Leeds area. Um, you know, Lee Wood's got the strong Nottingham following that he got here. It may well be a Nottingham Forest stadium fight. That's a big fight. So there's no incentive for him to fight Conlon. And even if that fight doesn't fall through, there are other things. You know, he can pick up, look for other belts. But I do hope, you know, I think everyone, after seeing that, we all hope we see it again. Um, Conlon, Conlon sort of probably has to regroup and... Uh, well, first thing first, Conlon has to find out where he is because a knockout like that can take it out of you. It can switch your chin off, basically. So he has to figure out where he stands. Um, he probably has to take a trip up and then he can think about fighting his way back into rematch contention. Whereas Wood will be looking to unify the division. Yeah, um, there's one final note about the, Just I want to talk a little bit about the safety issue because um, falling out of the ring doesn't happen that often, but. Uh, at the moment, the way the rings are designed, and Tony Belly talked about this after another stuff as well, um, the way the rings are designed, the apron's very narrow, and so you're relying on ringside people to catch anyone who falls out of the ring. And firstly, they're not trained to do this, they're not there to do this, that's not their job. Secondly, if it happens fast, you know, bang, smack, kapow. Um, yeah, basically the thought is, and it would make, it would look odd for us for a while, but the thought is to add, you know, maybe four or five feet of extra ring apron just to, when they do fall out of the ring, that they're landing on something soft and not being caught by 
alongside people. I think that's a good idea. Like, it's not huge. You know, I, th- I feel like we'd have to see something worse happen before we sort of really push for it. Um, which is a shame, but that's how it's, it would be a good idea, I think. Uh, the other thought is, um, the other thought people have raised is a mesh, sort of a mesh on the outside of the ring ropes, so that the ropes don't behave any differently, but you can't fall through them. I can't help but think that, but that, that but think that's a bad idea, because there's too big a chance that there's too big a chance of breakages. Fighters get caught hanging on the ropes far more often. You know, they catch in the ropes and then slide down far more often than uh, than they fall through the ropes. And I think that's fine if they, if you put a mesh on the backside of the ropes, I think there's too big a chance that um, an arm gets trapped as a fighter falls. He can't, you know, the natural reaction is sort of it to come out away from the ropes and then it slides back out. And if you've got a mesh on there, the arm can get trapped and twist as you fall. I think that's too big a risk. I wouldn't do that. But um, but I'm not the equipment expert. Um, you know, wiser men than me will have to, men and women, let's be equal. Uh, wiser people will have to, dis, you know, discuss that if if it ever does come up for discussion. Yeah, beyond that, there's a. You know, I hope I've covered something of interest for this fight. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, they're in good. They're in a good division. Um, there's a lot of options for both guys. Like I say, um, would should be looking to unify. And yeah, you know, I hope you watch the fight. If you didn't go watch it, you know, it would be weird. It would be. It's, it'll be, I'll find, I'll be. Let's be honest. I will find it slightly odd if you've listened to 35 minutes of me talking about a fight that you haven't watched. But I'm very glad to have you, and I recommend you uh, you do go and watch this. And boxing has been on fire this year. So, this weekend, I'm not going to talk about... Again, I'm not going to talk about too much, because I saved that for my previews, if I can do them. I'm not going to promise a preview, because I'm not still feeling super well. But um, but I hope to get one out. It's quite a busy weekend. Sonny Edwards is fighting um, Falcon Wasim out of Pakistan. Pakistan that's probably the evenest fight of the weekend. Virgil Ortiz was meant to be fighting, but uh but he's got himself a bad sickness. He got himself um rhabdomyolysis, I think it's called like I will have butchered that pronunciation, but basically it is a sort of degeneration of the muscles after exercise or damage that can lead to kidney failure and it can be life threatening and I don't know exactly how Ortiz feels, but he wasn't hostile with it. I hope he hasn't had a kidney failure because that would affect his uh, chances. You know, that would affect his life. Um, but we'll see. You know, fingers crossed. Um, that you know, that may raise a discussion about weight cutting in boxing. That's not one I'm going to have right now, but maybe it's one to raise with. Uh, you know, maybe it's one to do a special podcast on at some point. I don't know, but yeah. There's there's a few things on um, for the weekend. Um, Edgar Belanger is fighting Steve Rolls. Um, Alexander Zayas is on that card, and uh, yeah, last I looked, uh, that was just a two fight card. But but now they have got uh, Keishon Davis on as well, and Keishon Davis is worth watching and probably a future champion. Um, this is just an eight rounder, you know, tune up. Xander Zayas also an eight rounder. Xander Zayas is an extremely good pros- prospect as well. So that card's probably worth watching. That's in New York, so it will be on ESPN Plus, I guess. 
Sanieto's fight, you'll have to figure out for yourselves how to watch it because it's a pro fight and they haven't figured out their broadcast options yet. Um, and then David Avanesian is on BT fighting some guy. Maybe worth a watch. A couple of fighters on the other card there. Um, yeah. Like I say, I'll try to do a preview. I'm not going to 100% promise to do a preview for next week. Um, again, I'm not feeling 100% uh, at the moment. You know, I'm not going to go into big personal details, but uh, I had Corona a few weeks ago and I'm still not 100%. So I'm not going to, at this point, I'm not going to promise anything any given week. But I hope to see you next time. If, um, if there's a really good fight, if there's a brilliant fight that we just had, then I'll, we'll talk about it. I'll find a way. Um, if the if I do skip a week, you know, I might have to skip a week in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, then apologies for that. But uh, but I'll keep you updated. Follow me on Twitter at Crafty Boxing. Follow the fight site on Twitter at the fight site. Uh, check out the fight site at thefightsite.com. And um, yeah, see you next time.